Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. This is long, but I have to get it off my chest. Why do I want to tell my story? I have stage 3 cancer and was given 6 months to live, 5 years ago, and I'm still here. If I can pass on any advice before my time comes and help someone, then great. I'm not religious, and when this event happened I didn't believe in the paranormal. I was around 17 or 18 living with my girlfriend who was six months pregnant with my son. We went to bed on a normal evening. Nothing strange had happened, and in fact we were very happy and looking forward to getting the baby's room ready over the weekend. I was sound asleep and as a heavy sleeper, nothing wakes me up. Until my girlfriend woke me up to say there was someone in the house. It was around 2 a.m., I assumed that someone had broken in, so I jumped up to grab something to protect us. I then saw a figure, with no defining features at all, hovering at the end of our bed. It was shimmering with a gray outline, filled with a white smoke texture. I came within two feet of it while jumping up, and became face to face with it, so to speak. I froze for a second as it moved toward me and I launched back into bed and threw the duvet over my head. Then my girlfriend asked, Did you see it? I was shaking and absolutely petrified with fear. I looked at her and asked, What did you see? She described the exact thing I just got a couple of feet away from, and she said she woke up to it standing next to her at the side of the bed, and she could feel it staring at her. The room was absolutely freezing cold, and we could see our breath like in a horror movie. We hid under the duvet for around 20 minutes and kept peeking, and this thing was pacing around the room, slowly moving up to the windows and pressing the glass so hard we could hear the double glazing creaking under the pressure. After 30 minutes or so, it left the room we decided to make an exit as fast as we could. We grabbed our clothes and fumbled around as quickly as we could and decided we would make a run for it. Our stairs were U-shaped, so you go down a flight, change directions on a small landing, and finish going down the next flight. We got to the top of the stairs and it was clear, so we went as fast as we could. We turned the corner and it was halfway up the lower set of stairs, but we were already running, so we couldn't stop. 
I hit this thing full on into my chest. It was almost like time stood still and everything went calm. I could see it clearly as a white smoke-filled figure with shimmers of red, almost like there was a red ribbon inside of the smokiness. The next thing I knew, my arm was being yanked as my girlfriend continued to run, pulling me through towards the front door. It was the most surreal feeling I have ever had in my life. I stood at the door and collected my thoughts as my girlfriend frantically tried to get the key in the door lock, again like a movie. She was screaming before finally opening it. She was sobbing hysterically, but I felt calm as a cucumber. I said, let's go inside, sit down, and think this through. She was hesitant at first, but agreed. We went into the living room and sat down. Who's going to believe us? Where will we go? What about our things? I asked. We sat on the sofa with the lights on until daylight. We were young with no home phone, and cell phones were very rare back then, so we never had one. At 7am, we walked to her mom's house 20 minutes away, and she collapsed crying. We both cried and explained everything, now terrified to return after talking about it again. I had to go to work, so I called my dad and asked him to listen, and all I got was laughter. I felt alone and utterly humiliated by my dad. I didn't know where to turn, and we had nowhere to stay and my girlfriend was heavily pregnant. We called the council and explained what happened and begged to be moved, and the council lady actually said to us, You're mental. We returned home that evening at around 8pm, went straight to the living room and sat on the sofa. I never slept a second that night, and I don't think I did for a week. I went to work and my girlfriend went to her mom's, we sorted blankets and pillows for the floor, and we slept on the floor of the living room for three months. Not once venturing upstairs, we used the toilet at our neighbor's house and showered at her mom's. Once my girlfriend had the baby, we had no option. I had to face my fears and venture upstairs. It was calm, quiet, and cold. I was talking to whatever it was, begging for it to be kind, saying I mean no harm and that I just want the best for my family. I put up a cot, changed all the bedding, and cleaned like never before. We brought home our new son and only saw this thing one more time about two years later, and then never again. Now I'm 46 years old, typing this recollection with a new family and goosebumps running through my soul. I will never forget that first night, and the image still haunts me, although I am no longer scared of anything. Now, believe me or not, I don't care. I'm only sharing this because I have never spoken about it to anyone else. I want to add that we went to our local church, and a member of the clergy came over to our house. It took over a month of begging and pleading to the church for him to come out. He was scared of what we described as if he had heard the same thing before and didn't want any part of it. He said don't mess around and to leave it alone, don't communicate with it at all, and don't show it fear. 
He said it was there because of the baby, good or bad, but most importantly, to ignore it. He said prayers around the house and left after about five minutes. To me, this was useless and a waste of time. I have had more experiences since that day, some good and some bad. I've only shared this with a few people, and it's one of my earliest memories. I was about six years old when this happened. I was on vacation at the Edgewater Hotel in Tennessee. I was with my family, and we were in the hot tub, which was indoors. In this indoor area was also a swimming pool and hotel rooms lined up next to the pool. My parents needed to go to our hotel room for some reason, which was about a 15-second walk away and they left me alone in the hot tub. I was the only one there in the entire indoor pool area. I was enjoying the hot tub, and I decided to walk around in it. As I was walking towards the middle of the hot tub, my feet slipped from underneath me. I discovered it was much deeper than I had thought. I sank to the bottom of it, and for some reason, I couldn't gain my footing. I remember panicking and flailing, trying to reach the surface, and my feet slipping at the bottom. I very quickly reached the point where I couldn't hold my breath any longer. Now this is the part that might sound crazy, but I very vividly remember breathing in water at this point, as in I inhaled water. Not swallowed, but actually inhaled a half breath worth of water. I still remember the sensation of the water entering my lungs, but there was no pain. And then I had the realization that I was about to die. And in that moment, I felt a hand grab mine and pull me out of the water. When I looked up, there was an old man smiling at me. I looked at him in shock for several seconds, speechless, before saying thank you. He continued smiling and never said a word. I then ran to the hotel where I found my parents arguing about something. I tried to tell them what happened but they wouldn't let me speak. Then I ran back out to try and find the man who saved me and I couldn't. I even went to the reception area and asked if they had seen an old man pass by. Nobody had seen him. I realized at this point that it had to be some kind of angel that saved me. How my six-year-old brain knew this, I don't know, but I still have no doubt that it truly was an angel and not a person who saved me. Nikki, my childhood best friend, came to stay with me for the week of my birthday. As teenagers, we would pull all-nighters and then sleep all day. My ex-boyfriend Jay was supposed to come over. The plan was for him to come over at around 7 to 8 in the morning and hang out. I'm not sure why that sounded so exciting at the time, but now I'm here thinking it was kind of lame. Anyway, 
it was almost 8.30 in the morning. Nikki and I were starting to get tired from our all-nighter, so we decided to try and watch a movie to keep ourselves awake. Even though it was 2015, my mom still had one of those old TVs that were popular in the late 90s and early 2000s, with the DVD and VHS player built in. It is slightly important to the story to mention that I had Titanic on VHS, and the VHS version is two separate tapes due to its length. About 45 minutes to an hour into the movie, I texted Jay and asked him where he was, due to him being late. He said he was riding his skateboard to my house since his mom wouldn't give him a ride, and that he was 30 minutes away. It was time for me to put the second tape in, but before I could, Nikki and I heard the front door's doorknob jiggle pretty aggressively for a quick second. Now it's important to note I always made sure everything was constantly locked due to the anxiety of someone breaking in, and this included the screen door. Nikki and I looked at each other completely confused, and we were 100% convinced he was trying to scare us. So I called him to see if I'd hear his phone ring outside. I didn't, but when he answered I surely heard all the traffic by him. That was a dead giveaway it wasn't him at the door. He also said it would be another ten minutes. I looked at Nikki. She looked at me, and then the doorknob started jiggling again. I ran across the room and locked the bedroom and bathroom door. The knob was still shaking like crazy. Nikki and I started to really freak out. I called my mom while she was at work crying about how scared we were, and asked her to send the police to the house. Once she answered the phone, the jiggling stopped. She made the same assumption that Jay was pranking us, but after I told her the situation, she started getting worried. The next thing I know, I hear a slam and heavy footsteps pacing around the hardwood floor in the living room. Nikki and I both completely froze and stopped talking, which freaked my mom out. She kept yelling into the phone, asking what the hell was going on, and out of fear for someone being in the house, I hung up on her. The footsteps stopped for about ten seconds, and then, stomp, stomp, stomp. It was running down the hallway and stopped at the door. The knob started jiggling. Nikki started crying and said, I thought you said you locked the doors, Kay, and now someone's in your house. The jiggling stops. The footsteps are pacing up and down the hall, and we start hearing what sounds like someone rummaging through the kitchen. I paused and looked at her with my eyes tearing up in fear. I did. She then said, Wait. We didn't even hear the screen door, and that door is pretty loud. Our chat was interrupted by Jay calling me. I answered the phone, whispering, and he said he was there and asked if I could unlock the screen door because he went to turn the handle and it wouldn't open. I looked at Nikki and said, here's what we're going to do. Jay is outside right now. We're going to open the door and we're going to run. She nodded and we were both visibly shaking like leaves. I undid the lock 
and threw the door back and we both took off running down the hallway to the front door. I unlocked the deadbolt and knob, unlocked the screen, and Jay was standing on the porch. We ran right past him and into the middle of my front yard. Jay asked what was wrong, and we both said someone was inside. He immediately went into the house and looked in the kitchen, the laundry room, and every bedroom. He came out and said no one was in there at all. Feeling a little more comfortable, all three of us walked back into the house. I went to the laundry room to check the back door. It was deadbolted and the knob was locked. I looked at Nikki and Jay and said, No one's here, and the deadbolt is locked. Nikki said, They could have locked it when they went out the back. I said, No, Nikki, they couldn't have. The deadbolt locks from inside. I called my mom and told her the rest of what happened, and she was sobbing hysterically that we were okay. Once again, words will never describe how scared we both were so vulnerable due to not having a weapon, and even being afraid to escape out of the window if there was actually someone in the house. But I know for a fact it wasn't an actual person, since this had happened months ago with my friend Mandy. Except when it happened with Mandy, all we heard was footsteps. Whatever spirit this is, it's starting to seem more aggressive. This is a story from my mother and my younger sister, who I'll refer to as S. It happened in Brooklyn, New York in the late 90s. I was in the second or third grade. S was around four years old. We had a back porch overlooking a small fenced yard and lawn. We'd get the occasional regular-sized praying mantis. But according to S, one day, she was playing in the yard while my mom was hanging laundry up on the back porch. Apparently this thing just suddenly materialized right there in the middle of the yard. S says that she turned around and there it was. She just stared at it for a few moments, not sure if it was a toy or what. She said it looked like a two and a half to three foot long praying mantis with big red eyes and tiny black pinpricks for pupils. When the fear finally hit her, S ran up the stairs shouting for mom. All she could express at the time was that it was a big bug. Now my mom barely react because kids get scared by normal bugs all the time. Well, the thing followed S all the way up the stairs. For so long I've imagined what that must have looked like. S convinced my mom to go inside with her and that's when my mom finally saw it. While she and S were watching it from inside through the mesh door, the praying mantis perched itself on one of the chairs on the porch. Not like on top of the back cushion or armrest or something, just in the chair. Proper. When my mom went looking for a camera, all at once it just disappeared. I asked if it flew away, but neither of them had any kind of answer. 
it was just gone as quickly as it showed up. When my dad brought me home from school around half an hour later, they were still hiding behind the mesh door, looking terrified. I never got the full version of the story until S was older. For years, she would become hysterical if she ever saw a praying mantis or even the image of one. I wonder about this thing. What could it have been? Why it only showed itself to my mom and S. I do know, however, that as I got older, I found that my mother was a very abusive woman, and S, I believe, suffered the most of it. It makes me wonder if one of the people I told this story to is right about seeing a demon. I've told this story to somebody before who told me that it could be a demon. Maybe they were right, or at least a bad omen. Last night I couldn't sleep at all, which is fairly normal since I work graveyard shifts, and it's pretty much turned me into a night owl. So even on my days off, I'm usually up all night long. So I'm up in bed watching a rom-com, laughing and in a great mood, and decided that I deserve to treat myself to the occasional drink. My bar is in my basement, which is fully finished and furnished. It's pretty much a man cave. I've spent entire nights down there by myself or with the gang, and nothing strange has ever happened. So anything creepy or weird down there was absolutely the furthest thing from my mind. I finish laughing my butt off and head down there. I go behind the bar, pour myself a drink, and head back upstairs. But as I'm on the second to last step to the first floor, from behind me I hear, Hey! coming from downstairs in the middle of the basement. It was an older man's voice, in his fifties I think. I know the house is empty except for me, and it scared the absolute shit out of me. I looked down there and nothing moved. No one spoke or came forward, and I freaked out. I jutted up the last two steps and slammed the basement door closed. I'm wondering, did I imagine that? Is there someone in my house? And as I stand there panicking, I hear the same man's voice coming from down in the basement, but muffled by the door. By the intonation, he asked a question, then continued to talk right after. He was talking to me. The question sounded something like, Where are you going? I couldn't make much out, especially what he said after that, but I was panicked, adrenaline pumping thinking someone broke into my house. I ran into the next room, grabbed my flashlight and my handy-dandy baseball bat, and headed the hell back down there. Silence. Just silence. Slowly, I turned on every light in every room down there, ready to bash somebody's head in, but nothing. Every nook and corner was checked, and the basement is completely empty, except for my panicking and heavily breathing ass. I noped out of there, locked myself in my bathroom, and spent the next hour in crisis mode, 
checking my basement cameras, which showed nothing and no one except for me pouring myself a drink and then coming back down there and running around like a madman with a bat a minute later. I went down to the basement this afternoon after I woke up with my trusty bat in hand and rechecked the whole place. I found nothing, no one, just me questioning both my sanity and reality. I know what I heard. That guy was pretty loud, and he was talking in my direction and at me. Even through the door, I heard him down there, talking to me up the stairs. It seemed like he was trying to have a conversation with me. I've never had any kind of break-in. This is a very safe neighborhood, or any kind of remotely strange experience down there in my 15 years here. Does stuff like this happen to people out of the blue, or am I finally losing my ever-loving mind? I don't know what to do now. First update. It happened at 1.50am. At this point, I believe it was most likely paranormal, and I think I'm going to go down there tonight to repeat this same exact process at the same time and see what happens. My curiosity's gotten the better of me, and I want to know what he or it has to say. If it's actually an intruder, I'm coming prepared this time, but it should still be very interesting. Second update. I've been down here from 1.45am until 3am, walking around asking and looking, still finding nothing. Part of me feels like it needs the darkness, or even just that element of unpredictability in order to manifest. Maybe it needs a buildup of energy, which it discharged last night, so it's tapped out right now. I have no idea. I have nothing to show for it tonight, but don't say that I didn't try. I've lived a pretty mundane life with very little of the paranormal or supernatural in it. I've never experienced sleep paralysis in my life. I'm now 35. My father, on the other hand, is very prone to such things, so I'm going to share some of his experiences as well. What little I have to post here may sound mundane, but at least it's 100% true. Number one. When I was about five years old, I was playing at my grandmother's house. The house would later become ours when my grandmother moved to a better location. One evening, around dusk, I went out on the porch and I saw the most ridiculous thing. A giant pink snail. Its shell was at least a foot high, and it was chugging across the porch like any regular snail. It was plain as day and about ten feet from where I stood. It looked like something from that old Dr. Doolittle movie. I got really excited, and I stuck my head back inside to tell my grandmother what I saw. But to my disappointment, when I looked again one second later, the snail had vanished. There were no signs of a snail trail or anything. It's possible that I hallucinated, but I've never hallucinated anything before or since, as far as I'm aware. Story number two. 
My father was an over-the-road truck driver. He drove an 18-wheeler all over the U.S. and in parts of Canada. During the summers, I'd go on the road with him. His truck had bunk beds. It was a rainy day in 98 in Pennsylvania. I remember because advertisements for the movie Godzilla were everywhere. My father was back in the sleeper taking a nap, and I was up in the passenger seat playing my Game Boy and looking out the window. I was looking over at a truck parked next to us when I saw something that instantly made me sick to my stomach. It looked to be a human man with a dog or wolf snout. He had grayish normal hair on top, but kind of spiked up with some kind of wax or gel. But as my eyes went downward and I saw the snout, I freaked out and jumped back in the sleeper to wake my father up. When we looked again, there was no one up front in that truck, and the curtains were pulled on its sleeper. I had much difficulty going into the truck stop that we were parked at because I was afraid that I would encounter that dog driver. Later in life, I tried to rationalize it as me seeing a driver and his dog in the rain. Maybe I somehow mistook them for one being, but that really isn't what I saw. I doubt it would have made me sick to my stomach if that's all that it was. Story number three. It was around 1975. My father and a friend were out walking in rural Alabama. They reached the top of a hill, and down in the valley below, they both saw a stereotypical flying saucer. It was silver and hovering above the ground in the valley below. My dad's friend wanted to go check it out, but my father quipped that he wasn't ready to go to Mars and insisted that they get out of there, which they promptly did. In the early 90s, my dad was driving his 18-wheeler through Arkansas and saw another flying saucer come down out of the sky. It hit the ground, skid across a nearby field, and came to rest against a fence. My father gets on the CB radio and calls out to the other drivers in the area and says, Hey, did anyone else see that flying saucer hit that fence? Another voice comes on and says, Yes, we'll take care of it. My father kept driving and didn't look into it any further. His third sighting happened, once again while driving his 18-wheeler, but through New Mexico. This one looked more like a ball of light. It shot out of the sky and hovered above his truck at equal speeds for some time before breaking off to the right and zipping out of sight. Now, I only have one UFO experience to speak of and it's not much of one. My dad was mowing the yard at our home in Alabama. He calls me outside and says that he wants to show me something, so I go out and he tells me to look up. Far off in the distance, I see what appears to be a black cube or something shaped like the Sandcrawler from Star Wars. It's very tiny since it's so far away. We stand there and watch it for about 20 minutes. It just floats in place, occasionally what appears to be a vent on the right or left side would open and close, appearing to help it stabilize itself as it floats. Eventually, we got bored and we went inside. I didn't believe it to be a UFO at the time and I figured there must be some kind of explanation. In retrospect, 
I'm not sure of what it could have been. It could have been a weather balloon. But I've Googled pictures of those, and this was definitely different because it was black and a cube shape. I saw no round balloon shape holding it up. Here's the final story. On another truck trip around 2001 in upstate New York, my dad was driving through the woods at around 3 a.m. He gets out of his truck to relieve himself and notes that there's this dense fog all around the ground, and the clouds in the sky are unlike any that he's seen before. They covered the sky like a dense white carpet. He was creeped out by this, but exhausted, so he found a place to pull over for a nap. During the night, he wakes up to see someone sitting in the passenger seat of his truck. Assuming it's some kind of intruder, he sits up and pulls back his fist to punch them. The man leans forward, and in the light, he appears to be Jesus. He extends his hand, and this causes my dad to lay back down onto the bed against his will. Then, quote-unquote, Jesus comes forward and touches this place on my dad's leg, which he had biopsied a week prior due to cancer suspicions. That's all my dad remembers before waking up. He would later be diagnosed with stage 3 lymphoma, but he survived it. The lymph nodes were in that same spot. This encounter is explainable as sleep paralysis, but one element that suggests otherwise is the fact that my dad claims he could move around at first, balling up his fist and trying to punch the figure. It was only afterward that he was forced to lay back down that it became more like a typical account of sleep paralysis. I don't think, if it was an entity, that it was benevolent or actually Jesus. After all, it's not like it healed his cancer by touching him, which is what you would expect. I really love the story this week about the angel saving the kid from drowning. It was really interesting for me that nobody saw the old man and the author inhaled water but was seemingly fine when they went to tell their parents. That in itself is a miracle, but when you add the smiling old man who disappeared, I think we have a genuine guardian angel story. Um, but thanks so much for sharing that one. Yeah, I liked that one a lot because something similar happened to me. The water breathing in that story is actually a core memory of mine. When I was nine or ten, I used to dive into my grandparents' pool and hold my breath while sitting at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Not very smart, but it was fun. And then I would like shoot up to the top when I couldn't hold my breath anymore and try to make it out. (laughs) Really, really stupid. Yeah. But anyway... I have a very vivid memory of being like, nope, I'm not going to make it. And then my body just forced itself to breathe. And I can't really explain it, but I swear it was like a regular breath. I felt air enter my lungs. There was no water. And I was a good, I don't know, four feet from reaching the surface. It was pretty insane. So maybe I had a guardian angel at the time too, but no smiling old man. I think my grandpa was mad. I almost killed myself. (laughs) You know, I don't think you had a guardian angel. I think you probably just have gills somewhere on your body that you don't know about. 
Um, I do. Let it be known. Odd Trails is hosted by a, a cryptid now. Um, you're like that's right, like the creature from the Black Lagoon, basically. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had an experience like that. I'm not a great swimmer, and I don't particularly enjoy it. I don't know why. I think I just don't like being all wet. Yeah. Yeah, it's something about being all wet. Like, I like baths. That's relaxing and it's personal, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just being exposed around other people and also being around other people exposed. It's really weird when you would go to a pool or you, uh, like a pool party or have friends over and or go to a friend's house and get in a pool. And all these people that you normally see clothed, all of a sudden you see almost every inch of their body except for what's covered up by the yeah. swimming, by the swimsuit. That's really weird to me, especially coming from like a very conservative Christian upbringing where mm -hmm. guys and girls weren't even allowed to swim together when I was a kid. That's probably a big influence on it. But it is weird to just all of a sudden see your friends and, you know, covered less than their underwear covers them up. You know what I mean? Right. And then you have to worry about being judged for not being a good swan diver. Oh, yeah, dude. My swan dive is terrible. Yeah. You jump up from the water thinking you're just having fun. And then people are holding up placards rating your dive. It's like, I didn't come here for this. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll ever go to a pool party again. I, I mean, I'll go with you to, you know, your family's house and swim. That was always fun. Yeah, yeah, we got to do that again. But not the, uh, oh, <laughs> I remember the last time we went, you and your brother were so, like, keen on seeing who could tread water the longest. <laughs> and I swear I 20 that. minutes went by and I was just sitting there watching you guys begging you, please stop. This is so, this is the most boring competition <laughs> a brother has ever had with his brother. It was an exercise at that point. And you, you could have joined sink or swim. That, I, I was too terrible. I would have lost immediately. Yeah. Uh, I have a really hard time just treading water, but yeah, I never breathed underwater, but very cool story. Thanks for sharing. And regarding my stories, you may or may not have noticed that all three of them involved the potential of a human intruder yeah. being inside the home, something near and dear to my heart, being very <laughs> paranoid and cautious. But it was kind of like an insidious meets home alone type of thing from this week based off of what I've read. And it got me wondering, is it more favorable to have to face a random human with unknown intentions inside your home? or a ghost or demon of some sort. I don't think there's any winning there, but what would you prefer if you had to experience one, a sound in the night, and you have to deduce that it's either a person or some sort of haunted entity? Um, definitely some kind of haunting for a couple of reasons. A big one being, I mean, the physical harm from a haunting or a poltergeist or something isn't extremely common. It does happen. People get, you know, scratch marks and they do get, you know, their possession stories. There are some violent, scary, spiritual intruder stories and hauntings, but I would venture to say that a human intruder is going to be much more dangerous and yes immediately cause harm so i'm I gonna agree. i'm gonna say a spiritual invader however another i guess plus to a spiritual invader especially if it's like a continuing thing like you just have a haunted home you're gonna get tiktok famous have you ever watched any of those tiktok profiles where it's people just chronicling all of the hauntings and things moving around and creepy stuff going on in their house on tiktok no i don't go on tiktok but I've heard of it. I don't really either, uh, but my wife will send me TikToks. So uh, mm -hmm. I'll open them in my browser because I don't even want the app on my phone. I'll open them in my browser. But she sent me one of, of somebody. They had this video of this 
weird being walking around outside of their house. And they went outside to look for it. The door slammed behind them and they were locked out and their kid was inside. Uh, the camera caught all of this. And they they continued filming creepy stuff that was going on in their house. And it was really fascinating, super interesting. So I would definitely take advantage of the hunting and create a TikTok. <laughs> I really hope that the people that are recording these are pure in heart and it's not just some elaborate oh yeah of course that's kind of where my mind goes in this day and age of Mm -hmm. viral trends and everything else but it is nice to think that it's all real and whatnot i'm sure there is some out there that has no explanation but yeah yeah maybe i'll give it a shot i was supposed to be on tiktok but that faded (laughs) out maybe maybe tomorrow night (laughs) (laughs) let's just start it tomorrow while while we're on the subject oh man so i don't think that the praying mantis was some kind of demon from our second story uh like they said in the final line i would recommend that the author and their sister who experienced the praying mantis check out the documentary love and saucers you can find it on youtube it's like five bucks It's a very interesting look into the life of David Huggins. He was this really unique artist. Uh, He lives in New Jersey, and he's had many lifelong experiences with aliens, and he's painted a lot of these encounters. You can find all of the paintings just by Googling his name. I personally find them very unsettling. They aren't particularly scary in a visual sense, but they remind me a bit of a children's book, and they depict his relations as both friendly and honestly sexually with these aliens <laughs> yeah um, aim high he he claims that he lost his virginity to an alien who hasn't this is something that's continued uh, throughout his life um he does however reference encountering giant praying mantises is it manti praying manti praying mantises i think mantis is fine it sounds weird oh mantis say. is plural yeah let's, let's say praying manti okay it's like graffito yeah know? why not (laughs) Uh, i first heard about it years and years ago on some other podcast the praying mantis alien but praying mantis aliens aren't super uncommon you'll find multiple stories online of people having encounters with praying mantises praying manti i believe that what you encountered was an alien if you're listening i again highly recommend looking into David's paintings and checking out the documentary, I think that you will glean quite a bit of information from it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it were at least inspired by, I mean, there's a lot of crossover with the aliens and praying mantises, manti, whatever. Yeah, they're insane little critters. They have like five eyes. They can spin their head in 180 degrees. There's a martial arts forum named after them. Yeah. Yeah, the PMs are something else. (laughs) Continuing our giant bug theme, I had to include that collection of stories this week from our author who encountered a giant snail on the porch. I've never heard of anything like this, but when you combine a giant bug with multiple UFO sightings, I think it only backs up my belief that the previous story was an alien, the praying mantis. They both appeared on the porch, so there's that. If you ask me, praying manti seem far too consciously aware of our presence have you ever noticed that you if you like get too close to one and they just look at you right in the eyes it's like they're looking right at you oh yeah they can see like 50 feet away they're insane but they make eye contact with you it's not like Mm -hmm. a you know other bugs they just scurry away right they're like a cat it's looking right at you it's very creepy yeah i like him top five insect for sure 
<laughs> All right, well, I guess I should go up into my attic and look for any ghosts or intruders. Um, getting a little tired, so I'm going to get some coffee and go take care of that. Okay. There was actually a praying mantis on the side of my house yesterday. I took a picture of it. I'll send it to you. It's super creepy. I'm going to go and see if it's still there. Thank you. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. This week you have heard my experience with something paranormal by Mr. T. Junkie. Saved by an angel by username way too long. Home Invasion by Lonely Teaching 1913. Two foot long praying mantis by random throwaway 2373. Someone spoke to me from my empty basement last night by Arthur Golansky. And finally, my stories by Theological Debris. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Make sure you send your stories in to stories at oddtrails.com. And if you'd like to get access to all of our episodes ad-free at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to sign up and support the show today. And finally, don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcast, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast. Welcome to Paradise It Sucks and the Old Time Radio Cast, all at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcast we'll see y'all next week everyone stay safe peace out